Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope your weekend was well. As always, rooted in self-care and leisure and pleasure. So much is going on in the world. I I try to take these... uh, you know, social media news breaks. I was talking about it on Thursday's show called Doom Scrolling. Yeah, that's right. Powerful word, but it kind of explains it all where you go to the news these days and it's just doom and gloom. Now, look, we all want to be up on the news or most of us do. I appreciate those that are just completely (laughs) detached from that. Maybe that's just how you live your life or maybe that's what you're just doing right now because you're thinking, look, it's hard enough. My mood is directly impacted by whatever I'm reading and looking at. And if I'm feeling good, I want to just saturate myself and ride that good mood off into the sunset. So I so appreciate that. I'm trying to do that. You know, Uh, a lot of people have, you know, their mornings and afternoons free or vice versa. I have neither free. My schedule really doesn't allow much time to watch the news. So there's like a forced gift in that, but I try to keep up with it, you know, with everything that's going on because I'm just that kind of person. But doom scrolling, as we talked about, is the whole idea that look, as you're flipping through your phone, it's often just issue after issue after issue, struggle, 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 call out, call out out, call out. It's like, you know, there are some beautiful things going on at the, in the world, right? You know, whenever that heaviness and darkness is happening, we want to honor that. We don't want to pretend like that's not happening. But at the same time, there's often really beautiful, amazing things happening at the same time. So it's hard to hold both, but we kind of have to, right? That's where mental health comes in. You know, we call it splitting. I, I, I don't often use a lot of uh, hyper-intellectual clinical terms with you guys because I think there's something obnoxious about it at times and it also doesn't allow everyone to understand. But every now and then I'll give you a little vocab lesson, but there's this term in, uh, it comes out of the school of object relations really, and it's called splitting. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting concept, but essentially it just says that, you know, as humans, and we see this with call out culture as well, we, we, we struggle to hold the positive with the negative and everyone's either all good or they're all bad, right? So think about it. You have someone you love in your life, family member, someone you're dating, maybe a friend, and you love them. Everything's great. You know, they're phenomenal. I love this human being. And then they do something that's upsetting. And now you hate them. You cannot stand them, even though seconds before, you were, they were all good. Now they're all bad and it's really hard. And it's like a higher level, uh, higher level human perspective, I guess, to hold both. And we call that being a full object, not a part object. So whenever you're seeing someone is all good, 
or all bad and you have nothing but positive feelings, nothing about negative, know that that's not the most honest or mentally healthy perspective. Make them a whole object, which is to say, look, they're not all good. <laughs> they're not all bad either. And you know, depending on what they did, a really important relational skill is to often say, listen, we're away on vacation or we're having a nice time at dinner and something just happened that switched and made me think, you know, ill feelings about you, but the positive feelings are still accessible and you're still the great person in theory <laughs> that you were prior to the statement being made. And let me relate and connect to that. Now, the caveat is this doesn't apply to people maybe saying something truly problematic that now indicates that they're not the person you thought they were and they're not a good person. That's a different scenario. I, I, I'm using this in the context of someone who's a, a good, healthy person. And we're all going to let each other down and we're all going to harm each other, right? And so part of being in relationships that are long-term is seeing people as whole objects that you can let me down and you can also be something that's positive and you're both and I have to hold both and I have to allow you to be both. And people can even do that to me as a public figure. Look, my values, my lens on the world and, and you know psychology is a, a feminist social justice lens. I think that that's a really important lens for all of us. And so in me often presenting as someone who's very woke or evolved or whatever terms you are most comfortable with, people assume that I'm all that and meaning all of those pieces, but they don't always hold space for the fact that I'm gonna let you down as well. I'm a person, I'm gonna also disappoint you. And we'll put people in certain positions and we don't allow them to be a full person and to do that. And we'll say, you know, but you're my, you're my, my, my mom or my dad, or you're my therapist, or you're my teacher, or you're my employer. And so you're supposed to always know better and do better. But that's not, that's a very dehumanizing perspective. You know, we have to let people let us down. We have to let people disappoint us. That's, that's honest. That's also how you know you're in a real relationship with someone. And it's the way you manage that that really speaks to who you are and who they are and the kind of relationship you have and will always have. But it's work we need to do because when someone disappoints us, we want to get on our social media these days and call them out and uh, cancel them and we don't want them to ever work again and no one should date them or listen to their music. And in some in some respects, there's a health component to that, right? Because we're boycotting and not supporting people who are problematic. But there's times when I see it really done in a very dramatic, catastrophizing way. And it's and they need to people need to right size it and 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 say, yeah, they let us down. They did something problematic. They've apologized. We we have to move on. We have to let people let us down. Everyone's going to, right? We have to let them be a total person. It's important skills. Uh, got a great show planned for you, though. We're going to be talking about, uh, I know it's a little bit of a downer, but some signs of relational abuse emotionally and physically. It's important for us to talk about this stuff. And they're also going to be talking about a new term. I love new terms. This one's called woke fishing. I know. Y'all like, what does that even mean? I know you got to stick around. Right now, children and their families all over Southern California are going to bed hungry. Channel Q and Radio.com have an easy way that you can help feed local students and their families. Text the word NEED to 76278 to give a buck and also put food in the mouth of a hungry child and their loved ones. Just $1, it's going to make a big difference. Learn more about Feed Our Families on our socials and at wearechannelq.com. All right, we're back. Question of the night. As always, it's up on our Loveline IG page, so weigh in on that bad boy. And uh, we'll be sliding in the DMs later. So if you've got a question for me, go on to our Loveline IG page. As always, follow us, but uh, slide in the DMs there. Drop a question. We love hearing from you. We really do. We get to all of them. We They are really read. They are, they are utilized. Um, so take advantage of that. 
You know, some people slide into my private DMs and they have these really beautiful, important questions and I try to use them for the show if I can, but um, this is a really good way to get your question answered and to get your voice heard. So yeah, question of the night and also the DMs. And um, old uh, Loveline episodes, you can go to wearechannelq.com or radio.com, got them all podcasted there. So, you know, spend the weekend with me, put it on a binge, binge listen, climb in the tub. You know what I mean? You can do a little double leveled uh, self-care that way. Okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> One of the things that is very heartbreaking, and I see this out in the world and in my office, because I'm always assessing people's mental health, um, whether I'm aware of it or not. And the way we do that is by looking at people's relationships. You can learn, and a lot of people, <laughs> this lands real heavy, and they're not always smiling when I say this, but I want, I want this to be a very safe space and a safe conversation and also a way to be very self-reflective and self-aware. Because remember, whatever the relationship is, because we are in so many different relationships at one time, we can be you know, someone's brother, also someone's loved one, someone's sex partner, someone's parent, someone's workout partner, whatever it is, we're, we're always enmeshed in these different relationships. And so we're always impacting people's mental health. Our mere presence, the way we engage them, the things we talk about, the things we co-create, it positively influences people or it negatively influences them. And I made my own you know, commitment years ago that I wanted to try to be the most positive influence I could be on the ones around me that are important to me, that I no longer wanted to be a negative influence or have a negative impact on someone. And so when I was single and dating and you know, part of hookup culture, I held myself accountable to that. I tried to, to the best of my ability at the different phases of my life, I said, you know, I don't want people to leave having been in my presence or having related to me being worse off, feeling worse off about themselves or about their body or about sex or about the world or whatever it is. Because it's always conscious and unconscious. You know, every time we interface with someone, even if it's just a server or barista whose name we don't know, we might not see again, we have the capacity to make them feel better or to make them feel worse, right? And so take that responsibility seriously. And we talk about that on the show, but I want to make sure I'm always driving that home. And so, you know, we don't want to create relationships that are abusive, not neither towards ourselves nor towards another person. And so it's always important to just say to yourself, how am I impacting those around me? And it's such a it's such a powerful like statement of self-awareness that we rarely have. We rarely take time for that. But do that, you know, during the break. Um, assess that. Think of, we even write it down. Like this is where, you know, I'm glad everyone's doing their home workouts, but we want to also do mental workouts. And here's an example of how we can do one. Journal, either you can do active imagination, which means you're just thinking and processing in your mind, or you can journal and write this down. But think of the five people who you are in the most uh, consistent and connected relationship to. Some individuals, it might be coworkers and colleagues because we spend a lot of time at you know work. For others, it might be family members and loved ones. And think of the top five and say, what kind of impact do I have on them? I want at some point you to do the inverse, which is what kind of impact do they have on me? But always start with yourself because that's mental health, you know, being self-aware, but also realizing the impact we have on others. And then we get to how do they impact me? Because us just showing up differently changes the relationship and how they'll maybe impact and relate to us. But ask yourself that. Do these five people, are they made better because I'm in their life? Or do I think, or do you think you make it worse? Again, it's how you hang out with them, what you guys do, the things you bond over. Are you the kind of friends that you bond over talking negatively about yourselves and other people in the world? And again, it's not about 
getting rid of them and canceling people. It's about saying, what can I do to shift and improve that? And sometimes that means sitting down and talking honestly, hey, I realized our relationship is centered around complaining, whining, bitching, negativity. Let's not do that anymore. Let's let's create it such that our relationship is centered around all the other things. I started to really take note of that. It was a game changer. My social, how I socialized shifted dramatically, as you can imagine, but my mental health did, and that's more important, right? So it's the both pieces. How am I impacting those around me, but how else are they impacting me? Uh, am I engaging in things that could fall under emotional abuse? Am I trying to control? Am I self-centering too much? Am I making everything about me? Am I making everything personal? Am I too fragile, right? And depending on the relationship you have, you can even ask. And I would love us to get to a place where those kinds of conversations are very familiar and tolerable and we can consistently check in on that. What is it like to be my friend? You know, what areas do you think I could address to become a better friend for you and to you? And that's a healthy relationship where someone can speak on those levels and no one's gonna take it personally. I have really, really, really valuable friends in my life where we will talk in those ways and I can hear that from them because they mean a lot to me and I know that the care and the love is there, which is you know, the foundational piece you need and we'll talk about that. Like They'll say, hey, you've really let me down this week. I've needed you and you haven't been as available as I, as I, as I would have liked. And my first thought is, I'm sorry to hear that. Whether I agree with that or not, the first entry point is, I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you for telling me that. That tells me you care about me. Like, Thank you for caring enough about me and our relationship to let me know that that's how you feel. Let me sit with whether or not I agree with that and what I and how I can show up to that, how I can change that. And often the answer is, you're right. You're right. And I want to do better. And I'm going to work on that. And notice in the way I just modeled that, there's no defensiveness. There's no attacking. I can hear it from them. I can sit with it. But that has to be done within the context of a healthy relationship where I feel like we've built that trust. And if you don't have that, that should be your goal. Start building that trust where you can hear that from them, where they feel safe telling you that, right? That's the work. That's relational health is those pieces. That's what tells me that those people are sustainable as, as partners in whatever the way they are, right? So seek that, create that. Sit down with some people in your life and say, I'd love to be able to engage each other that way. All right, coming up next, we're going to be talking about woke fishing. I know, it's a psychological term. I love this stuff. A culture is always producing new things, usually born out of an issue. And then we're going to be doing some damage, some DMing, you know? All right, listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back and um, time to expand our vocabularies. So the dating app world, <laughs> hookup culture, dating apps, romance, in this century, yeah, in the past couple of years, especially, has grown exponentially, right? So tons of people are online dating. I think it's a phenomenal thing. I really do. I think that it gives us access to individuals that aren't locally accessible, right? Um, also, there, you know, it, there's, a, there's an equity. There's a, there's a balance to the fact that on the dating apps, in theory, both partners hold their responsibility to really show interest. We have to both swipe on each other. And then kind of where it goes from there becomes more of an individualized thing. But I like the idea that everyone feels empowered. It's not based on gender roles. Everyone has to uh, swipe. 
I do advocate for people to initiate conversation based on interest and not get caught up in the gender stuff because, you know, there's a lot of dark sides to traditional gender roles and people dating based on that. There's a lot of dark sides. And, you know, you can't expect just the positive without the negative because some of the people that date in those really gendered ways where the man has to initiate, the man has to ask out, the man has to pay for dinner, expect some of the dark sides to come along with that, right? So finding someone who dates outside of that, I think it's really important for mental health because none of that's honest. You know, people that are male identified or male bodied aren't always going to be the more confident or assertive people and they have a right to date. And that also might be a good personality style for some people. So please don't think in a heterosexual context that just because you're female bodied or identified that it's going to always make sense or be the best match for you to date someone who's traditional because maybe you actually should be the more assertive, aggressive one. Maybe that would work better based on your personality style, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so we've talked on the show before about all these new concepts and terms that come out of these dating apps. And we've talked about, you know, uh, <laughs> we were giving some of our own terms. We all know ghosting, right? Someone disappears on you out of the blue. And then we were talking about, God bless it, getting double ghosted, which I can't remember now. I think I told a story of where I actually had that happen to me, where someone had ghosted me and then come back I attached and then they ghosted again. Then there's things like breadcrumbing and paper clipping. And these are the different ways that people slowly do these different disappearing acts. And then there's orbiting, which is that person who doesn't make contact with you directly, but yet they're always liking things. They're always somehow there. Okay. So woke fishing is the newest gift given to us culturally by the dating apps and that whole scene. Which, by the way, it's not all perfect. I recognize that there's a lot of dark sides to this. However, that is what it's like to be dating in the current culture. So if you're single, get on those apps, learn how to navigate it, figure it out. All of the single patients in my practice are on there because that's where we're headed. Everything's going tech. People are just not out in the world in the same ways, especially not right now during COVID. And people still want love and sex. Great. Just do it from a distance. Okay. So woke fishing is kind of a spin on the word catfishing, which is when someone falsely represents who they are. Catfishing is either they literally are showing a different name and photo and that is not the person or some variant of that. So woke fishing is like the political progressive version of that. And it means someone who presents politically as liberal or progressive because they want to match with those people, but they're not. And so they're woke fishing, kind of like catfishing. They're pretending to be woke. Now, it's a very bizarre concept because why would you want to do that? You, If you are someone who has very uh, traditional Republican right-wing views, it, it is never going to be a compatibility match for you to date someone liberal or progressive. And people that are liberal and progressive, aka woke, only want to date someone like that. So this misrepresentation in order to match and to date, it's not going to last. <laughs> like I just want to call out the uh, flaw in that plan. Good luck maintaining that charade. Like you can only pull that off for so long. Your um, your bigotry is gonna gonna leak out at some point. You know, wokeness is a stunning thing. Look, it's a it's a word that has some pro, pro, you know problematic context. But if we're just gonna look at it conceptually, why would everyone not want to care about the impact they have on others? Why would you not want to care about the political implications of all of our decision making and the political candidates? Why would you not want to support ending racism and homophobia? Right, and that's all that's bundled up in theory within wokeness. Again, there's some issues, but that's for a different show uh, or a different segment. But um, there's people pretending to be. Now that's horrifying to me 
there's filters that are supposed to rule out those people where some of these apps will ask you, you know, how do you identify politically? How important is it to you that the other person does as well? Some apps will ask you questions, you know, what are your thoughts on Black Lives Matters and things like that? Um, which, by the way, I'm just, I can't even imagine being the kind of human being that's like, yeah, I don't care about Black Lives. Uh, but yeah, they exist. Um, our president. So woke fishing again is someone faking. And again, God bless. You could never get very far with me because I'm always talking about those topics. And I've shared that I've ended dates when people's really, really problematic politics showed up and they weren't open to learning. They were like digging their heels in there, you know, frustration with learning pronouns. And I was like, oh God, good luck. Or them saying, hey, sometimes I tell racist jokes and me being like, the date just ended. There's so many things wrong with such a stance. You're trying to literally normalize that in front of me and get permission and you don't have it. So the woke fishing thing is phenomenal. Good luck, uh, but it's out there. So yes, just one more thing for you to worry about while you're trying to uh, feel secure out there in the world and on these dating apps. I know, it gets it gets rougher by the minute, but I'll keep you up to date on all of it. All right, coming up next, DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, time for some DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence, please, especially right now. Be using all the barrier methods you can come up with. Gloves, masks, social distancing, condoms, everything, please. Um, my heart hurts. I, I'm seeing people still posting on social media talking about socializing in groups and parties and even group sex. And I'm thinking, oh my God, listen, y'all, you can survive <laughs> without having touch-based, proximity-based sex. There's so many ways to be sexual. Please have a sex life, but get creative. Don't be touching each other. Don't be exchanging saliva. Like we've talked about this. We're going to talk about this again, but y'all are breaking my heart. Find ways that don't require exchanging saliva or, or being near someone's breath. I mean, again, the public health departments are saying things like other barrier methods, um, focusing on things like just oral, just trying to remove proximity of our face away from those droplets. But again, sexed, go on distance dates. There's so many ways to still be sexual, but please, not in the real time. Okay, time for the DM. Sorry, I had to just had to get that out there. Uh, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, how do you tell your partner that you want more? I want to feel loved. I want to feel special. And they say they're trying, but I just feel like I'm giving 100 and they are giving like 60. I order things online, bring home flowers. I go out of my way to leave notes, but their excuse is that they don't like to buy things online. <laughs> well, again, beautiful and congrats to you. I think it's stunning that you're trying to keep the romance alive. You're being very thoughtful. Look, it's about knowing people's love languages. So start there. Talk about the concept of love languages. And it's a very simple thing. There's different ways that all of us actually feel loved. Talk about the ways that you feel loved. Do you like being given things? Do you like just having time spent together? Is it about affection and sex and feeling desired? Is it about getting gifts or notes? Maybe it's a bunch of them. Maybe it's just about their presence. Maybe it's what they say you like to feel affirmed. I have a lot of different love languages. I like feeling sexy and hot, so I like being sexualized. I also like really cute romantic things, telling me you love me, leaving little notes. Gifts works too. I think I like them all. But um, talk to your partner about that and say to your partner, listen, of course, I hear the wording I'm using, of course you want me to feel loved. And here's the ways that you could do so. It's okay to ask for what you want. It's okay to hold your partner's hand through and lead them towards the things you need. So tell them. 
I, I, I know you care about me or, or maybe you don't and you say, I'm not sure if you do, but the secondary piece is most important, which is, and I, and I'd love to hear it. I need to hear it. I want to hear it. Can you work on making me hear it or making me see it? And here's how it mean more. It mean a lot if you were more affectionate. It mean more if you checked in with me during your work day, telling me you love me or thinking about me. It's okay to ask for what you want. And it can still feel good when you get that. I've done it. I've done the work. I've been in a relationship saying, hey, I think you're super great. And I really love you. It would mean a lot to me if you could check in with me throughout your workday and just let me know you're thinking of me. Send me a photo of something that was meaningful. Tell me you're thinking about me. Send me an emoji. And then they do. And all's well. And it feels really great and really beautiful. So don't look at it as these numbers, though. I don't like the idea of fair is fair. I'm giving 100. You should give 100. Relationships aren't about equality. And I've said that before. It's about us both feeling cared for and mutuality, meaning we both have power. We both can ask for what we want and get our needs met. But don't look at these numbers. It's never going to be like that. Maybe they're always going to be at only 60 or 70% in the way that they express love and care. But they're going to show up at 120% in other domains where you're showing up at only 30 or 40. And that's okay. Maybe you're not going to always get reflected back the amount of love and care you need. That's where you have to build into, I know I'm cared for. It's not always their job to meet us exactly where we're at. Maybe you got to actually drop down your expectations a little bit. Maybe try to practice meeting them where they're at. But again, it's about having that conversation, knowing that they do want you to feel cared for, right? And expecting that. And again, when you say things like they told you that they don't like to buy things online, great. Maybe you don't need gifts purchased, or maybe you need to give them ideas of what they could do. But again, share that with them. Let them know what you want and be happy and thankful when you get it. We can't ask for something and then when we get it, say, but that's not what I meant or not in that way or not at that time. So be open to receiving when you finally get what you asked for. You know, right size that stuff. Bring it down a little bit. All right, Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it is a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about face masks and condoms and how they actually intersect and are very similar. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, we're going to talk about the intersections of masks and also condoms, right? It's, it's basically this general packaged concept around safety, right? Precautions. Now, as I was during the break thinking about this topic, I thought, gosh, <laughs> I'm a talker. It's like a constellation. There's a lot of pieces in here and there's a lot of things we can learn. So there's some gold in this. So kind of bear with me. This brought up a lot for me. And I was thinking about this also over the weekend. And that's what made me want to make a segment out of this is I think that it's interesting how a lot of different things that are going on culturally are paralleled, right? So I think about our relationship to safer sex practices. And that comes up a lot because I work with individuals who have tested positive for a STI or STD that is treatable and uh, can completely be eliminated. And then there's other ones that are going to be more chronic and, and with them for the duration of their, you know, their, their, their sex lives and their lives. And it's interesting how when we become, when our identity is challenged or when we're being forced to possibly identify differently, which is what can happen when someone realizes that their gender is something different than they were diagnosed with at birth or even later in life, because there's people later in life realizing that their gender is not what they had been living or, um, and it's beautiful. You know, I know some adult individuals who are now in their forties realizing that they're non-binary and that's because people are now 
getting more support and confident in different forms of gender expression. And they're finally able to identify with something that is more of who they are, or what makes sense to them. That's so beautiful. And we see that with sexual orientation where some people don't really land anywhere. And that's beautiful. It's always an open system. They're always kind of exploring. They're like, I don't really know, you know, and then others it's later in life where they land with something secure and solid. Some people, whatever gender or sexual orientation they're born being socialized as, they identify with and it makes sense. Now, that is also part of, though, our relationship with STDs and STIs, where some people, they'll be diagnosed with, let's say, something like herpes or maybe something like HIV, which isn't, quote unquote, curable. And they get to decide whether or not that's a change in their identity. And socially, for many, it becomes. And so I work with those individuals. You know, what meaning do they want to make out of this, Right. Uh, if anything at all. And um, how does that maybe change moving forward the way they interact with themselves and other people around sexuality and romance? And we also talk about when do you disclose? And the reason that I think it intersects with masks, right, which we should be wearing because of COVID and in a lot of places is the law and you can get ticketed for not, which by the way, as I've said before, I, I hope we wear them forever. <laughs> I'm such a fan of us wearing masks. I think it's actually really smart. We'll cut down on colds and flus in general. Again, that's another segment. But it really does become on one level a discussion about how, how we feel, how responsible we feel for other people. And we're seeing that in people's willingness or lack of willingness to wear a mask and socially distance, right? There's some people that are fighting it. And they're thinking from a very individualist perspective and they're not really caring or concerned about how they impact others. And when we talk about things like condoms, where masks and condoms intersect is number one, you have to use it the right way for it to be effective. So let's just get that out of the way. That's, that's a huge point of this, right? That if you don't wear a mask over your nose and your mouth, then it's, it's almost useless. And same thing with the condom. There's specific ways that those need to be utilized to have the most efficacy, meaning for them to be the most preventative, which is what their, 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 got, their job is, right? There's no other purpose. Um, but I think masks and condoms and other safer sex practices really also become a conversation around how much do we care about how we impact others? How much responsibility do you take for other people? I want us to take responsibility for other people. I say this all the time. We're too concerned with this American individualism where I only have to worry about me and my side of the street. And it's like, no, we need to care about everyone and others. And that's what comes up for me when we talk about safer sex practices, but also masks. Do I want to take responsibility for the fact that I could impact the life of someone else based on transmitting something sexually to them, which then puts them in a position to maybe have to see themselves differently in terms of identity. Same thing, with, same thing with the mask wearing. Do I want to give someone COVID? And I want us to take responsibility for how we impact others. Look, we definitely have this term that quantifies and qualifies all that called informed consent. And that basically means it's not just about getting consent from someone before you have sex, but they have to give informed consent. They can't consent if they don't know what they're possibly coming in contact with. And so if you haven't disclosed, then they can't really have consented because you never even let them know what they were going to be bumping into. And that, again, is just about taking responsibility culturally and personally for the way we impact others. And masks are the same way. And so not everyone likes to hear this, but I do think we can assess the health of others based on whether or not they care about how they impact people. And I talk all the time about ethical sex and dating, which is where you care about how you leave someone, even if it was just one conversation on an app or one date, that you don't just shirk responsibility or accountability for the fact that you're you're in their life in some form, even if it's just temporary and what kind of impact you wanna have. I want us to think in that way. And that's the mask piece. People that don't wanna wear it, it's because they're only thinking about their own comfort. 
And it's like, that's great and all, but yes, care about the greater good. And um, that's important. We need to do that. That's sexual health and mental health. All right, enough about that, y'all. Coming up next, we're going to talk about a story. It's a wife who had to shockingly deal with her husband's uh, bisexuality. She didn't see that coming, but we don't always see stuff coming, especially when we meet people at uh, younger ages. So we're going to be talking about that when we come back. Right now, children and their families all over Southern California are going to bed hungry. Channel Q and Radio.com have an easy way for you to help feed local students and their families. Text the word NEED, N-E-E-D, to 76278 to give a buck and put food in the mouth of a hungry child and their loved ones. Just $1, it's going to make a huge difference. So learn more about Feed Our Families on our socials and at wearechannelq.com. All right, we're back. And uh, question of the night, that's coming up next. There's still some time to weigh in on that. That's on our Loveline IG and the stories. And then some DMs. So uh, if you got a question for us, slide on in there. But um, look, in our earlier segment, we were just talking about this whole concept of taking responsibility collectively for you know the impact we have everywhere and on everyone. And that we're talking about sex and relationships, it's really important. So here's a story, I was, re- I was reading this story indirectly, I was just killing time. And it kind of took a different turn. It was basically the story about this woman and she's married to her husband, they've been married for a few years and she's getting really bored with their sex life. So she says like, hey, let's, let's invite a third. I feel safe and comfortable enough with you where I wanna try this. It sounds really arousing and you know, like as all people trying you know, different open styles, look, if it doesn't go well, it doesn't go well, we won't do it again. Or maybe we'll learn about ourselves or whatever it is. So she says, but, um, and this is a hetero couple, I want it to be a guy. And the husband was like, okay, that's cool. Like I, I could find pleasure in watching you with a guy and like I'll see what my comfort level is and if there's you know any interest on my end in being with the guy as well. So she invites a bisexual guy over. Now how they wound up meeting him was online. I, I don't know those details. And uh, went really well. <laughs> and they had him over a few more times. So the outcome of this is the husband started to realize, wow, I'm, I'm into dudes. Like there's something to this. And uh, she's then left trying to make sense of that. Now- there's so much in this. Number one, you have to remember that when we meet someone, we're meeting them where they're at, at that time. And a lot of couples I work with struggle with a partner growing and changing, which is what everyone should be doing. Sometimes not in gigantic, massive ways, but sometimes it is. And we don't always grow and develop in ways that are truly compatible and have chemistry for our lifespan. And that's just part of it. But we don't want to limit ourselves. And so that is just part of being in a relationship with someone, that they're committing and the compatibility is based on who they are now. And that that can change. It's very scary and devastating for some people. It spikes our anxiety to realize that we, one of us or both of us might grow in a direction where the chemistry compatibility is not there. And one of us or both of us might want to end it or renegotiate the boundaries. That's got to be allowable. You can never say like from this day, I can promise forever or decades that this will always make sense, whatever the, this is. And it's fair for a partner down the road to say something like, look, I, I don't want to continue this. Um, let's just be friends. I don't want to do the romance or sex or I no longer want monogamy or I'm not sure I want marriage or whatever it is. That's mental health. Asking for what you need based on who you are and the two people or, or however many people are involved really deciding what works for all parties because relationships are supposed to have a positive impact on us. They take work, there is conflict, but they shouldn't negatively impact us. They shouldn't limit us. They should be things that we happily enter into and we stay in them as long as they're healthy for all people involved, period, end of story. Now, the other piece to this is it's a beautiful gift when someone's willing to share with you who they are on a deeper level. And for this husband to say to his wife, listen, I'm gonna be, I care enough about you and I trust you and I want you to know all of me. I think I'm bisexual. 
however that feels, the first response should be one of being loving, supportive, and caretaking of this person who you love, sharing with you something very vulnerable. And so I want the first response is always to be thank you. Like, thank you for caring enough to share that with me. And here's my feelings and thoughts about it. And you as a couple decide what to do with it. But that that is part of this. And not, not and it's not about whether or not you're having sex with others, right? Because these moments can occur even within monogamous relationships where someone develops a new friend and through that friend, the whole new world's open to them and now they realize they want to travel more or they want to get into a certain hobby. And people can feel like they're losing their partner. I see that also when an individual gets sober. And now this individual who's always available or a different kind of person because they were drinking or drugging and now they're sober and they're more present or more aware or they're leaving their career and want to try something else or they're now spending more time with other sober people and they're going to meetings and they're no longer hanging out at home drinking or going to the bar with you. It can be very hard, sometimes traumatic. Who is this person? You know, they're no longer the person I knew. They're no longer the person I bonded with or the things we, you know, really centered in our relationship, partying and drinking, that's now removed. Does this still work? And that's a concern. And a lot of relationships actually end when someone gets sober. There's a high percentage of divorce rates and breakups because it no longer works because them drinking and drugging, although it might've been a problem, it allowed us to be who we were and do what we do to feel like everything was comfortable, safe, and compatible. It's really fascinating, but we can weather those things. We just have to be open and flexible and realizing that it's okay to grow and change. It's okay to have different expectations upon you, the marriage, the relationship, your partner. And, and is this person worth it? Right, And that comes up even with long-distance relationships. Is this person worth the work it'll take to maintain them in my life or to go on this journey with them? And if the answer is no, that's fair too. It's okay if you just say over someone's changes, it doesn't work for me anymore. Those changes don't serve what I was looking for, don't serve me or don't make sense to me. And I'm not sure if that's a journey I want to go on or I'm not sure I can or want to accommodate that. And we're seeing more and more around gender, as I said earlier, and also sexuality where it's a little more safe and comfortable for people that are male or male identified to explore same gendered attraction where they're still stigmatized as you're actually gay or you're really just gay and you're lying. No, bisexuality and sexual fluidity and pansexuality are real things. It's just we are so homophobic that if a guy's with another guy, we can't imagine that that could be just a part of who they are or something they're trying. That's how homophobic we are, that we can't even conceive of that. We can conceive of, you know, really horrific things like a mother, and this really happened, Susan Smith driving her two children into a lake and drowning them. That we believe, that we can conceive of. Might not be able to relate to it, but we're like, okay, I believe it. But a guy being, you know, bi or trying with another guy and still being straight, oh my God, not believable. Like really sit with that. Like of all the things that aren't believable, that's one of them. You know what I mean? Look at who our president is. Who, what? Like we now should be able to believe anything. And the, you know, medical uh, professional who's talking about demon sperm and seed and all that. Like God bless what we will buy into and believe. And then when it comes to sex, it's like we just can't quite extend that that openness or flexibility. But, um, you know, again, the bottom line is we're going to grow and change and create the kind of relationship that can accommodate that. And that's how you know that your relationship can be long-term, that you will can create a safe container in which your partner can be themselves. And you're not saying to them, look, in order to stay with me, you have to deny being who you truly are because that's not going to work. And that's not a healthy relationship. A healthy relationship is you can be who you are and you don't need to change. You don't need to change who you really are and what you need to accommodate me. This can allow and accommodate that. And sometimes it can't, even if you want it to and you try. And that's okay too, right? Like the work is about just really honestly assessing what's possible and what we want, you know? All right, coming up next, question of the night and then some DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com.
All right, y'all, it's time for question of the night. So according to a new survey, 53% of people have picked up a new side hustle or gig in quarantine, more than half. I get it. Either they lost their main job or the main job is maybe kind of cut back or furloughed or all, you know, all sorts of colorful things are happening. So 53% of people have picked up a new hustle or side gig. I know tons of people, tons. I'm looking at you only fans. 46% said if their side gig makes them enough money, they'll quit their main job. Yeah, I got it, y'all. You got to go where that money's at. <laughs> so the question of the night is, have you picked up a side hustle? And if so, what is it? It's, it's, this is something that's so foreign to me. I always have so many jobs at one time that when I hear things like side hustle, I'm like, well, who's the time? Uh, but I understand that, that my career is quite different than other people's. And um, side hustle, what is it? All right, let's see, y'all. First person said, Yes. Now I have two jobs and I'm definitely feeling burnt out. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I don't know if it's actually a side hustle or if you just have two like job jobs because side hustle in my mind is something that's maybe not even part time. And sometimes each of them can just leak out. These aren't always really confined within times and they can overlap. So I do work with some patients right now where they're kind of struggling with all the different gigs and hustles that they have and they're interlapping and overflowing and they're kind of like trying to figure out the boundaries, which you do need. Remember, you need at least, and again, I know that this is, uh, it depends on your privilege and where you are financially, relationally, but if you could at least have two full days off where you're not needing to engage or think about work, that is huge. Somebody else said, as far as a question tonight, have you picked up a side hustle? And if so, what is it? Someone said, mine is baking, but it's been a hobby for a while. Now it's been great to earn some extra money. Well done. I can't stand baking. I want to though. Like I've seen it and I'm like, oh, it looks like it's pretty fun. But I feel like I would just rush to get to the end goal. Like just get it done so I can shove it down and eat it. And then it's kind of like, well, there's a lot of effort when I can just buy it. I know it's the process, right? It's the journey. It's the journey that matters. I don't like that journey. But good for you. I'd love to know what you're baking. But I appreciate that now you're making money off it. I mean, shoot, if you can turn a hobby into a hustle, that's bomb, right? You know, like the thing that you like doing anyway for free, now you make some coin out of it. All right, question of the night. Have you picked up a side hustle? If so, what is it? Someone said, I started doing Uber Eats. Thank you. You, person, are a frontline worker. You are, you are helping a lot of people out. I've been using a lot of food delivery for a multitude of reasons. My anxiety and depression has just made it really hard for me to be motivated enough to like pull together and go cook or get out there. So thank you. But anyway, you continue to say, I started doing Uber Eats even though my workspace opened up. It's just not enough hours. I understand that. That's why I'm glad like some of these delivery services et cetera, et cetera, exists because um, for some people, it's just not enough hours. You know, they're going back to work part-time or a little bit more, a little bit less, and it's not helping them get all their needs met because them bills, those bills are still due. I, I don't know anyone who's had their bills cut down. Most companies are like, you know, we're going to come, we're coming collecting. If not now, eventually it just sits there waiting. So there's anxiety in that too. Again, question of the night is, have you picked up a side hustle? Because a survey showed that 53% of people did. It's more than half. It's not a good sign. I wish people didn't need to do that. I wish people could just work the job they work and then they could have a couple days off and re relax. Like we work for money, right? And if your life isn't allowing time to engage in the fun, non-work things that are important to you, well then your life work balance is off. Like it's hard for some people to hear that, but we should be able to be finding time to do things that are important to us. And if you're not because of work, you gotta find ways to push back, cut back, and maybe find something new. We're not here just to work. We're here to find meaning and pleasure in our lives, right? So value that, that's healthy. 
Somebody else says, as far as question night, did you pick up a side hustle? Someone said, I've picked up some temp jobs, but now I'm finding time to get creative like I never have before. I'm creating my own game board. I love that. That's actually really cool. I don't know much about board games and game boards and all the different, I don't know anything about video games either. It's a world that's very foreign to me, but I get it. I see why people are drawn to it. Uh, very distracting, but yet there's a lot of energy in it. It can challenge you. I see the skill sets that are in there. I could see it. It could be a really healthy form of self-care and self-soothing. I'm into it. I'm into it. Uh, I don't know where I'd begin, though. My mind goes old school. I'm like, I'm thinking Atari. I know. I know. Don't laugh. Even Nintendo. That bad boy's still going, though. All right, side hustle. Did you pick up one? It's question night. And if so, what are you doing? Someone said, I've started a juicing business. It's been nice because my partner's an essential worker, and this allows me to bring in some money as well as stay home with the kids. See? I love that. Juicing's huge. I love, I like green juice. I'm a green juice person, not a uh, fruit juice. Not that there's anything bad about that, but I'm like, I like the all green, which some people find gross. I, for me, it's like a uh, vitamin um, IV down my throat. I love it. I can't get enough of that stuff. Um, yeah, let me know what your juice, where you are. Uh, question night, uh, study showed 53% of people got that side gig going. I get it. So do you have one? And if so, what are you up to? This person said, since I can't DJ anymore, I've been doing virtual mixes and shows, but they just aren't the same. Sometimes I really do... Sometimes I really do be getting depressed and miss people. Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm seeing all my clients via Skype. And much like your shows and mixes from home, it's not the same. You know, we're doing the best we can. And for many people, the work is amazing. And, and I've watched some of these live stream shows. And, like, I'm all in. I've seen some live stream concerts. And, and it's good. It's fun. I know it's not the same, though, for you. Um, maybe it's different for the viewer. But, um, you know, the world's going to come back. You got to kind of hang in there. But I appreciate that. I miss seeing people too. I really do. It's very isolating because I'm following the rules. I'm following the damn rules. All right, coming up next, DM. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back now. It's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore with confidence. This one asks, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, is there ever a time that going through your partner's phone is okay? I came out of the shower the other day and my boyfriend said my phone went off and he clicked on a notification and he was on my phone for 20 minutes. <laughs> he didn't lie. I don't think, but it made me feel super uneasy. I mean, hey, props to be in a relationship with someone who's willing to be that forthcoming about um, their boundaries, because it's a boundary issue, it really is. It's an act of care, and it's a boundary issue, how people manage um, access to your life. You know, whether it's your phone or your diary or eavesdropping, all of that is a sign of trust and respect and care. Um, look, it's funky. There's so many pieces to this. This is so nuanced. So it's, you know, are you in a relationship that has a lot of honesty and transparency where people can ask the questions they need to ask and trust and get the answers they need to get? If so, they'll never try to go through your phone, diary, eavesdrop, or ask your friends questions or whatever the method is, right? They're going to believe you. So that's part of it. Make sure you've created that kind of relationship. Be in a relationship, as I always say, with someone who's worthy of trust. So you can do the difficult work of holding those boundaries because, again, people are allowed to have privacy and boundaries. You don't have a right. Our partner doesn't. Our wife doesn't. Even our parents don't. No one has a right to have knowledge or access to everything or every thought you have. You're allowed to have privacy. You're allowed to keep certain things, ideas, behaviors, things that you're doing just to yourself. Now, that has to align with commitments you've made. If you've committed to, let's say, 
a monogamous relationship, honor that. And if you can't or don't want to, tell them. That's no longer something I'm interested or able to do. Not everyone's built for monogamy or wants to. But if you say you're going to do it, do it. And that's usually what ties into this. But again, be in a relationship with someone you trust. Be in a relationship with someone or build a kind of relationship where they can say like, hey, I feel off. Is everything okay? Are you talking to people? Blah, 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 blah. Like be able to have those conversations and then they won't need to. But hey, I love your boyfriend. The fact that he's like, yeah, I went on your phone. Notification came off. I was on there for a good 20 minutes. <laughs> like, I love that. But that doesn't mean it's okay. Just because someone owns something, it doesn't mean like, oh, well, your bad behavior is acceptable. That's when you then say, oh, gosh, you know, thanks for telling me. I'm not going to punish you for it, right? Because then people will not continue to be open with us. But can we talk about what made you think that was okay to do? Um, can I share with you how that makes me feel uncomfortable? And can I ask you to not do that? That there are conversations on there that I want kept private. You don't need to know what I'm talking to my mom about or my best friend. That's for us, you know, and vice versa. And I would never do that to you. And here's why. We have to have those honest conversations. And maybe even have that conversation now with whoever you're in a relationship with. Whether or not you've ever gone on each other's phones, like, hey, can we talk about this topic? Do you think it's ever okay to go on mine? Should I ever feel okay going on yours? Can we have the kind of relationship where if I'm wondering about something, I can ask you and you'll tell me? Can we maybe look at it together? Um, some people are even eroticized by that. I'm, I'm turned on by the idea of you maybe flirting or picture exchanges with people. Can I have access to use your phone sexually? I work with some couples where they do that. They want to know that their partner is maybe not physical with someone, but flirting and exchanging, and they want to kind of use some of that sexual energy. And there's so many different ways. It's just about care, like care. Have enough care and respect for the person and trust that you talk about these things and you honor these things. But no. There's no generalized way unless you've been given permission to go on someone's phone. Some relationships, they're like, I don't care. I'm not putting a lock on it. Do what you need to do. Do your thing. And others, they're like, no, look, I have private conversations on there. And it's not that I'm cheating. It's that you don't need to know the friends I'm talking to at all times and what we're discussing. Again, privacy and boundaries. Like That's an important part of mental health, right? Um, you're an adult. Be in relationships with people you can trust. All right, sliding into the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world, and we want you to explore with confidence. So much to share with you. Tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking about the difference between a midlife crisis and a midlife breakthrough. The latter is something we all need to go through. We should all seek, but we misunderstand the two. Sometimes we're even the same thing. So we're going to be breaking that on down. Also, question of the night, it's up on our Loveline IG page, so bust on in on those stories and weigh in on that. And if you have any DMs you want me to answer for you, slide into those DMs on the Loveline IG page, and we'll uh, get your question on air. Also, Thursday, I'll be doing my live stream show. I'm listening live. That's at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on all the radio.com handles. That is their Twitter, Facebook, and also the YouTube page. Go back, check out our past episodes. It's always me and a celebrity or some experts talking about mental health, uh, music, how to intersect with COVID, self-care. It's good stuff. And then uh, old podcast versions of Loveline are at the, all the uh, We Are Channel Q and Radio.com places, so check that bad boy out. But um, y'all be well. As always, thanks for hanging out with me, and you have a beautiful, beautiful night.